What's up, guys? Welcome into today's OBR Film Breakdown, which is a recap of your Cleveland Browns preseason week three game against the Chicago Bears. You're checking this out on Sunday morning, which means you're into torturing yourself on this day that you could be spending doing something else. And you're checking this podcast. And I really appreciate you doing so and committing to this show. I've been uh, so thankful for how well we are doing in the preseason with some some of these performances are leaving so much to be desired that you guys continue to check out this pod. Uh, a lot of things to say about this game because it was it was quite peculiar in, in many in many forms and fashions. The Browns lose 21-20, second week in a row they've lost by a point here. And again, the 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 general um, theme of this pod is is to not re- overreact. I've been I always talk about preseason and avoiding overreacting to things that don't matter. We've seen your Browns go 4-0 in the preseason and lose 16 straight games. So these games, the outcome of them means nothing. But I'm a fan of studying the process during them, and and today I was concerned. We'll rattle off stats real quick, and then we'll go through uh, some things. I'm going to be joined by Corey Kennan in just a moment. We'll reel him in. But before we do so, for this one, uh, again, not a ton of impressive things going on from Cleveland. They did run 20 more plays, but I don't think that's a great uh, outcome here because they were actually out yardage by the Bears offensively. So 21 Bears first downs, 19 Cleveland first downs. Cleveland got to third down 18 times. They were 6 of 18. The Bears got to third down only eight times. So that tells you the efficiency of their offense. 331 yards on 55 plays for the Bears, 318 yards for Cleveland on 77, a two-yard difference per play. They rushed for identical 78 yards apiece. The Bears led by David Montgomery's nine carries for 29, sorry, 28 yards with a long of 13, and the Browns were led by John Kelly, who went 13 for 31, and Dearness Johnson, 7 for 29. Josh Rosen was the lone touchdown rusher, and um, that was on a quarterback sneak there late in the game. And uh, passing yards, 253 for Chicago, 240 for Cleveland. Jacoby Brissett went 13 of 23. A buck 09 had that interception on a pick play. Actually, not a pick play, just slant flat where Schwartz runs into the uh, – uh, the Will Backer chasing the slant. Uh, anyway, Josh Dobbs, 11 of 20, 89 yards, a touchdown. He's fine. Made some plays. Used his feet. Athletic. Josh Rosen, 4 for 6, 42 at the end. Couldn't couldn't find a way to complete the two-point conversion, and that's why the Browns lost collectively at the end. Uh, one turnover for Cleveland, the Brissett interception. Two turnovers for Chicago. Uh, two of them were um, fumbles. Uh, p- five punts for each team. Um, field goals, Browns were two of three. Cade York, impressive again. He's one of the few preseason bright spots. And listen, it's a nice bright spot to have compared to what the Browns have had there in the past. So um, from the Chicago side, not not really a ton to talk about because you guys don't care all too much. Uh, Dante Pettis had a nice touchdown catch, double move on Greedy. He had three catches for 67 yards. Isaiah Coulter had three for 61. Cole Komet, their tight end, uh, had three for 36 and a touchdown. Justin Fields was sharp, 14 of 16, buck 56, three touchdowns. Thought he played really well given uh, the the Browns defense had a lot of players out there, not, listen, not everybody, but some players out there that are going to be Sunday players, and he picked them apart and looked really smooth, comfortable arm angle changes. He was the uh, Justin Fields that my guest and I believe in, who think we think he's going to be a pretty good player. You know, Chicago's done some disservices here, but he looked pretty good tonight, and that's all we can judge so far. So welcoming in OBR colleague, Corey Kennan. Corey, how are you, man? Thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem, Jake. It's it's good to be here. You know, uh, it's it's time for the re- regular season now. We made it through three weeks of preseason, so we almost have. Re- well, I guess we did have real football today with at the college level, but we almost have real Browns football. Yeah, moving forward, we get a fun week of college football this upcoming weekend, and then it's like 
right from there, Brown, I mean, the, the NFL takes a little mini buy or whatever, but it's Thursday night football and we're off and running. It doesn't stop for, for a long time. So we're pretty close guys, but today Corey and I are going to talk about some things, man. Um, listen, the Browns are missing, you know, game plan, franchise altering players. I think Chicago didn't really hold much out. You know, most of the people that were on the field for Chicago were going to be the guys that matter, right? The Browns don't have Newsom and Ward and, and Jadevian and Miles and the offense doesn't play in Nick. And, um, you know, Nick matters. He's a game plan altering guy. Kareem's a game plan altering guy. They had everybody else. I mean, Amari too. Amari Cooper is obviously going to change how they, they their passing game goes in terms of just another uh, realistic uh top end weapon he's not top top end but he's, he's he matters so uh they they were missing important people and i and I, I think that's worth noting but nonetheless i thought my general impression as we leave this and again this means nothing this this preseason three games they mean nothing but but i would just prefer that the team that i am covering slash pulling for is is very well um you know that the, the the pacing the the comprehension the uh, the way they go about their business is, is business-like. And I thought this is the second time I've seen the starters play some minutes. Now, some of them played minutes in Jacksonville. None of them played in against Philly. But I just left like this is an uninspired board group who is blowing assignments, not lining up correctly, having shifting penalties. And again, 10 penalties in this game for 75 yards, which is a pretty similar number. And I know a couple of them were declined on Cleveland. So 10 is generous here. And this was pretty similar to Jacksonville. And I'm like, man, I don't know if Kevin is like, I mean, again, I don't know what goes on in that locker room when we're not around. And in this game, again, means nothing. But like, just can we stop with the ridiculous penalties of just mental mistakes? And again, guys that just look confused, like they don't know where they're supposed to be sometimes in terms of alignment, things like that. I'm not overreacting to, to what this means for the for the greater picture. Uh, but but to me, it's just frustrating to to watch it because they should be better this. And there's some guys that are going to be playing on Sundays making these mistakes. I mean, I haven't watched the All-22, but Jacob Phillips looks like he's a part of the issue on that, that touchdown to commit up the right sideline on the roll. There are some some guys who matter who were, who were either out of position or were a part of mistakes being made that yielded penalties. And that part of it's just disappointing. It, again, not, not an indictment of where they're going wins and losses-wise, but I would prefer them to show up and be business-like, and they just didn't happen tonight. What's your takeaway as you kind of step back from the game, Corey? Yeah, I think I think that's my my bigger concern as well. I th- you know, I sent it out in, in our, the OBR Slack channel, but uh, through all of this, like through the Baker Mayfield stuff from last year and through <clears throat> the Watson stuff and through just like the offseason, the crazy stuff, like the, the thing that, that – like we kind of put our feet on the ground with was like, but Kevin is a great coach. Stefanski, we, we, we have a lot of confidence in Stefanski as a coach, uh, as a leader, uh, as like a, a, a calm mind. Um, but, but it's a little disheartening to then go out and, you know, we see that and, but the team just looks so unbelievably unprepared, so unbelievably undisciplined. And I don't know who to put that on other than, other than the head coach, you know? So, I mean, again, it's not overreacting, but it's like you would, just as much as you would hope it would be a dress rehearsal for the players, it's like, oh my gosh. Like, uh, it, so I, I think that's where I'm most disheartened. Is, uh, I know Kevin Stefanski's a good coach, but is is he a coach that's built for all of the the noise that 
last season entailed and all of the noise that this offseason has entailed? And is that getting to to him as a coach, to him as a person? And, and that's that's now the kind of questions that I'm asking. I know who he is as a coach. I know who he is as a play caller. But but as a leader, like, is, is he built for this? And I hate that I have to, like, I'm asking myself that question. And so maybe you're not. And maybe you're fine with it. But it's like, that's kind of where I'm at. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm not fine with it, Corey, and I hope he's not fine with it. I, I mean, I, I, I guess your point is fair, and I think... Doug Lamarise did a good point of job of pointing that out earlier this week, where we think Kevin has talent. We think he's a sharp play caller. We think there's a lot of things we like about him, but there are still some things to prove. And to your greater point here, can he overcome, you know, last year's debacle was pretty well covered in like the locker room split and where it went and players dissenting. And uh, it, it was not a secret. Now, now this year, there's a lot to overcome off the field too, where 2020, it was like COVID rigid protocol based, and it was just almost like mathematical what they had to do, where they had to be, how they had to get there. And that's not the case anymore. So I do think, listen, I'm as high on Kevin Stefanski as anybody you'll meet. I do think there are some questions that are fair to be asked. I'm not putting this guy on the hot seat. I would love to see Kevin get five, 10 years in Cleveland. And I think he's the best coach they've had since the return. But I think there are some questions to be asked about cleaning things up, about getting guys motivated. And it's a preseason. I get it. I'm, I'm just saying that like I'd like my guys to show up and act like they want to be there and act, actually act engaged in the game. And I got concerned about that, not just today, but other times where I'm like, this is just off. And I don't like the vibe of the team, and I don't like the way they look on the sideline. And we're going to bury this topic because it's over. But like if they show up and do some of these things in the regular season and the dissension grows, you start to see where the festering of like a a, a coaching issue hits and I don't want that to be the case and I'm not doing it I'm just saying what I would prefer and I'm sure what Kevin is sitting here talking to his coaching staff about is that he prefers a different outcome in terms of how the guys are prepared so maybe there's some self-reflection going on I don't know 
but I would just have liked this team to be uh, to have a better process tonight. That was all I was asking. They were really flat. I didn't think schematically they got creative because I didn't think it was necessary and they didn't want to do any of that leading into week one. That's understandable. And I do think that we're going to talk about a player in a second here who was, who was yeah, he was pretty justifiably given targets because they're trying to make an informed decision on him. And we'll just go there because I think at this point it's the elephant in the room and that's Anthony Schwartz. Again, today, uh, you can only get so many targets without production where people start to get really, really concerned. He had six targets in the first half. He had one catch for eight yards. Now you can blame some of that on different things, but drops continue. Focus issues seem to be there. And just general concerns about his weather. Is this guy good enough to do it? Because like, I think there's a, a thing that is worth discussing. And, and Ryan Burns made a good point of it on Twitter. And, and I like to shout out people. I see this because I get mad. I don't think of it quick enough. But like last year, Jamar Chase was having these drop issues in preseason. But you could see like it was just a guy that didn't really want to be out there, get hurt and have anything disrupt. Like the, the, the general framework of how to catch a football was not missed on on Jamar. He could he could feel out certain scenarios, situations like it's just game speed, different things were moving and he just had a couple drops in the preseason. But Schwartz looks unnatural catching the football. And I, I don't hey, listen, I didn't thoroughly go through every Auburn catch and he had some issues last year where I thought things were tracking the football was weird, where I thought some double catch things happened. But to the level now that this has increased, I think it's a mental problem, sure, it definitely is, but it also is now is this guy going to be able to rectify it? Because if you have issues framing a football when you're trying to bring it in or pluck it or whatever means by which you go to catch a football, it's hard to reverse course if you get a lot of throws. And he didn't help himself again today. It's the third game. I didn't think he went backwards in week two after the really rough week one preseason, but I thought he went backward again today. And to the point that you and I off off uh, air here, Corey, we're talking about I I've been pretty adamant that they're going to keep this guy going to keep him going to keep him. But tonight it felt like we're putting this guy on trial and we're going to see if he can handle this. And if he can't, we're going to have to have a hard discussion. And I feel less inclined to believe he's a roster lock. I'm to the point where it's a coin flip. It's 50 50 and whether they want to justify bringing him on, uh, keeping him to the point of like, you can, can try to grow a player if they have a role, they're a specials guy, they return, they do some other things and we'll continue to get him going as a receiver. There's not anything being provided. And I'm to the point I'm concerned about this guy making the roster. You saw the last a few minutes of the game, Corey. You pointed out that he had the towel over his head and just looked disgruntled. And I think his roster spot is really shaky right now compared to where it was. I wouldn't be surprised if he makes it by any stretch, but like I still think it's a lock anymore. And I'm I'm genuinely concerned about where this guy is going collectively because it's hard to see it riding ship at this point. I just have a hard time with it. Yeah, the the clip they showed him right at the end of the game and he was just sitting on the bench with a towel on his head. And that was when I like that's when I was like, oh man, this guy, this guy's not right. Like and again, I you know I, you can go back and you can look at his PFF grades when he was at Auburn. Uh not so much his grades, but they're they're charting and he only dropped like I think it was 13 passes on like 174 targets. So it wasn't anything absorbent. It's not like this guy had drop issues. So uh but you're right about the framing the football stuff. It's like he just he, he doesn't look like a football player right now, and it's 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 wild. Uh, and I just you know I, I don't think he's in the right headspace. I don't think he can get, he can get out of it. You know that article from from Mary Kay at the beginning of training camp where you know he discussed all the the stuff he was going through last season after that week two injury to, to Mayfield. And I, I don't I, I just I don't know if he's got the fortitude to pull himself out of it at this point. But it's 
it's not pretty. Again, it felt like, you know, last week was one step forward and then two steps back again today. Uh, I, I think he has the the advantage of there already being one roster spot in the wide receiver room open because of Jaheim, Jaheim Grant. So cutting him would, would, would make a second roster spot opening in, in that room. Uh, so I think, you know, he, he might have an advantage there, but like, Today definitely, definitely, definitely felt like, oh, this is this is the trial by fire. Like they are plucking targets at him to see if he can handle it, and he, he, he didn't. He, he didn't. didn't. He didn't so it's it's terrifying. Uh, but again, you know, there is already that one spot, so it, it would it would be creating another hole to, to to cut him and and create that second spot. In the, but but and he's not doing himself any favors at all. So I like I it's to the point where like I don't know how they go into the regular season without adding somebody into that room like I don't I don't know how how that's justifiable at all like they have to they can't they, they can't they, they can't not go pursue somebody publicly pursue somebody and if that means they get them or not I don't know man going after Slayton or whoever I know you've put up several names over the course of time you got me down there looking at Tyler Vaughn's and Pittsburgh I'm we're down bad over here man yes. we're trying to we're trying to figure out who they can just bring in to elevate this because Schwartz just feels computer broken. And on top of a guy who I don't think is altogether like he, for him to succeed, he has to bring in everything. Like he just has to, because he's not a nuanced route guy and his speed while nice is a very build up nature. It is not a right now top speed guy. So like he has to be able to do some things like if he's going to do some things in shallow or, or intermediate portions of the field, you got to reel it in. You got to reel it into it, then unlock some things that you can do creating and, uh, sorry, I guess at this point, making angles disappear. So I'm just worried about it. I don't have any other receiver take from this game. I thought David Bell continues to just look comfortable. Mm-hmm. Like I like that how he, it's a little thing, but how he'll, he'll catch a football and make these little skips or hops and turns. And he kind of just makes defenders miss. He's not, he's not doing anything crazy, but you can't really square him up. And I like football players who don't let you square him up because they just have this, this little, uh, innate ability to sort of feel where somebody's coming from and just sort of shimmy or whatever. So I like, I like that from him. He's firmly entrenched as the guy that they're going to use in the slot in any real passing down situation. I didn't like Demetri Felton's efforts today. I mean, I, I thought like, I just continue to be like, how are they, w- what's his purpose? I like him. I think he's going to be on the roster. He's going to probably catch punts and all that. He's fine to me, but like, what's his purpose? They, they got him in there. He ran a jet sweep and the jet sweep. It's like, Hey man, you got a couple guys out in front of you here. It's second and six. Got to get that first down. And, you know, somehow he just kind of runs into the back of Donovan Peoples-Jones, who sort of set his angle the right way, and it's like, okay, you're you're just making football harder than it needs to be. So, I I think Felton's fine, but to me, it's like I need more from him, and for, and I just really don't know what his defined role is. None of the other guys at the end of the roster stand out all too much for me. I guess Wims had a decent performance in this one. He had something like nine targets, a lot of puff stuff late in the game, but uh, Baldwin was interesting to me, but he didn't play in this one, so I, I'm. I don't have any answers. I, I really don't have any like this guy should make the roster. I mean, are you going to vouch for Harley? I don't know, Corey. Do you have any different opinion on it? Yeah, no, no. I mean, I thought the the play where Wims Wims is, Wims is the only guy of those bat guys that has actual NFL experience, who's actually been on an active roster before. And so, you know, going and going into this, I was like, well, you know, like there's an open spot, and if they don't go get somebody, Wims makes most the most sense. But and he did have have some decent catches, but like I. <sighs> The plays that an NFL wide receiver should make, he didn't make. Like I thought that back shoulder from Rosen was on the money. Like I thought that was a perfectly placed ball. That fourth and fourth and goal play call uh, was kind of on the money, and he he didn't did bring it down. So like you know that's that's a that's kind of a, a roster justifying play 
that that he kind of let go of. Uh, I mean, I think Mike Harley is is a good practice squad guy. The way that Jamarcus Bradley has been the few years, and I think they they think they like him. You know, he's a productive guy from college. The the use all time leading receiver. So like, I I think they they like him. Uh, I don't think they like him enough to put him on the active roster, but I think they they definitely want him back on the practice squad uh, if it gets that far and he doesn't get claimed off of waivers. But no, like no. And again, what you're saying about Felton is like if that's my wide receiver at this point, four, four like that. Oh, like that's not, that's not pretty at all. Like a wide receiver four sees a lot of snaps. And, that, and if that's who we're, we're depending on Demetric Felton to be then then I'm that, then that's terrifying. That's just terrifying from the depth perspective. Like we yeah. didn't get to see Mike Woods at all. None. Yeah. Like no yeah. live. That's, reps that's, that's Woods. a wrench. Like, that's a great point. Not, not seeing Mike Woods is, it's tough. It's tough. You know, I don't, do you know, I have no clue where he is in recovery. I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I have, I, I mean, have no idea where he is. Like, I don't, I don't think they would IR him before the final 53 and, and shelf him the whole season. But like, if, if they do the 53, get to week one, then IR him. So it's only short-term IR. Like that's, you still have to clear a roster spot for him initially. Yeah. So like, I, yeah. it's rough. Yeah. The wide receiver stuff is rough. There's three guys we feel good about. Felton's kind of floating out. There is this hybrid, what do we do with him? It's almost, it's just weird at this point. They're not targeting him in the passing game very much. And it's just running a lot of weird, intricate motions that he sometimes is getting involved with those motions. Sometimes not. I don't know. I don't know where he's going. I thought kind of going through the group here, I should start with, there are three things I wanted from this game um, was offensive cohesion. Didn't get any of it from the first group. Didn't feel good about it. Staying out of injuries and that, you know, uh, Wyatt Teller, Seems like he's okay, but he left with a knee and then the hip pointer from Grant Delpit, which again, Delpit seemed okay, but don't like seeing that in terms of like guys that are going to be important to your season leaving with injuries. And then the third one to me was um, just being in the right places, doing the right things like that. That was a clear failure. The penalties, the miscommunications, the motion penalties, the all that stuff sort of adds up, man. So um, those were my three and I didn't feel like they hit any of those three. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of go through real quick. The offensive line again, though, we, you know, you and I rewatch it. We'll figure that out. I don't have any great takes on it right now. I don't know. Jed, Jed seemed like he was a little off early in the game, just from my vantage point, missed some backside issues on some run schemes. But other than that, I don't have any, I think, I think the big takeaway is Forbes is your left guard early, right? Like that's pretty big. He was with the first yeah. group playing for Batonio's spot, right? And Dunn and Hans were in late. And Hoffman are in late, so does that mean Forbes has a leg up? I'm interested in what that trial sort of means. Did, did you notice any other personnel things? Yeah, I, I noticed Froholt was in before even Hans. So like, yeah, like Forbes and Froholt were the were the. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, but they were the first two guards in off the bench. Like, which you know, going back to last season, it was always Hans was their swing guy, and Hubbard yeah. didn't play. So if Hubbard didn't play and Hudson started, like that would in my mind be like, okay, well, Hans is going to be the first guy off. And he wasn't. Uh, so, I mean, that, that is shocking to me. Like that's, that's shocking to me. Um, yeah. Especially with the, the injuries that they've already faced in, in the offensive line depth and kind of, uh, you know, Wyatt Taylor hasn't necessarily been a clean bill of health and uh, Chris Hubbard hasn't necessarily been a clean bill of health and yeah. uh, Jack Conklin hasn't necessarily been a clean bill of health. I would think the guy that has filled in for all of those guys would, would be a lock at this point, but, but that makes me think maybe not. <laughs> so yeah. that's, that's really interesting. 
it's really I would agree with I would, I would agree with that. It's very interesting. And again, we're talking about trials, right? You want to put Forbes with the first group. What's he look like with guys, you know, playing against Chicago's ones and instead of Chicago's two. So maybe that, and we don't know, man, we're like, you know, I'm a big believer in Michael Dunn. And I think some things have indicated they are too, but it's like, what do they feel like now? There's moving parts. What do the contracts look like? What do the age of guys look like? Uh, well, I'm going to do a 53 man show later in the week, perhaps tomorrow. I'm not totally sure, but I have opinions on it. I'm not sure if they'll feel the same, but I, I couldn't help but note how early Forbes was in there. That was kind of fascinating to me altogether. So yeah, Conklin and, and, and Hubbard don't get any preseason time. So we'll see what week one looks like. Cause I don't know if Conklin's ready or not. It's been kind of a sort of quiet thing going on there. So pay attention to that Miller Forstall, great touchdown catch probably sealed his job by default. I don't see anybody pushing him for it. So Unless, unless there's a guy, it, like a waiver, yeah. Yeah, unless there's a waiver. I mean, I think you and I are pretty much in alignment on like wide receiver DT or your waiver guys or trade guys, uh, probably. But like mm-hmm. I would have said tight end earlier, but I feel like wide receivers in cr- even more of a crisis than we originally feared. So that is like, okay, your priority is going to go to some of those. Those three positions would probably be where I would where I would pinpoint, um, you know, defensively. I thought they looked sloppy. Um, I, again, we're doing this on uh, immediately after watching TV view where your, your, your attention gets pulled in some different places. And this isn't the most informative one, but I just, we'll go back and pinpoint why the sloppiness was there. But I thought that they just, there was miscommunication stuff happening. I heard Miller and, uh, John Johnson on the first one. I don't, I don't really know who to blame there. Cause I can't see the full field coverage. I thought greedy did not look very good. He was, uh, I mean, Dante Pettis, again, cut him out of college, a talented yeah. player, but he just hits him with a little post corner. And it's like, it was an easy touchdown throw for fields, like nothing to it, man. So like, I don't know. I, I just, I'm not putting too much stock into it. I don't have any real defensive takeaways other than our boy, Alex, right? You're, you know, your guy is, uh, is firmly entrenched as the best role defensive end guy they have in the rotation that he's, you know, I don't know about Winovich. He's not been available. Maybe they're going to keep him because they like what they saw before, but I don't, I just don't have any clarity about who they like at edge. I, I'm left a little bit scratching my head in terms of where they're thinking about the fourth or fifth guys for that position. So uh, the only guy to me that I felt good about this preseason is right. And then I'll let you talk about DTs. I think Jordan Elliott seems to be stepping up to the plate some, um, and that's great. I think they need that. Taven Bryan, Tommy Togia, can they get anything out of those guys? Should be fascinating to watch. Did you pick up? It sucks about Odom too tonight with a knee injury. Mm-hmm. Just a guy who's kind of fighting for an NFL career, and hopefully that's not a career-defining injury. That would be terrible for him. But it, yeah, I'll, I'll open it to you about any defensive takes you had in this one. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. 
Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com I mean, if we're looking at them keeping 10 defensive linemen, like there's a chance they roster six edges. Like that's because looking at the defensive tackles, I don't think Rod Perry or Glenn Logan have a shot in hell of making the final roster. So, I mean, that leaves you with the the main four defensive tackles. Again, I I do think a fifth defensive tackle is probably on on the minds of, of the front office. But if they decide to run with four, then I think there is absolutely room for six edges. But you know, I've never thought that Chase Winovich was was a lock. I always thought he had the inside track, but never thought he was a lock. And then him not playing the last two games has been uh, not great for him. Um, and I think what stinks is like, I thought, I think that the Browns thought they had more depth of edge at ed, edge coming into the preseason. And I also thought they did too, but I, I also think they liked Steven Weatherly quite a bit and him going yeah. to IR was, was a big blow to that room. Cause I think he would have been your third, your third, fourth edge, you know? Yeah. Um, Rochelle's had some life. He's had some moments. Rochelle has some life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think he's better than Port Augustine. So, like, or Joe Jackson or one of those guys. You know, like, so I yeah, think sure. at that point, yeah, their depth is better. Um, so, I mean. From a statistical I mean, standpoint, yeah. I should look. I mean, we should talk about DeAnthony Bell, who seems to really be crashing the party. He has a keen sense for being able to punch the football out, create turnovers, and be in the right place. As far as a box safety who attacks, I, I think, you know, when they've been in single high cover one and some of their aggressive three looks like I thought he's been fine. I, I think he stands out as a guy who might crash the safety room at the bare minimum has turned a practice squad or sorry, UDFA into a practice squad opportunity. At least that's how I feel. Um, Sean, Sean Jolly, a guy that I predicted would make the roster. I don't think he's making the roster, but I, I think there's something there. I think he's a, he's a practice squad guy. In my opinion, a young player out of app state who had, he led the, the group tonight in six tackles uh, overall. He had a sack. Um, and as we know, um, in terms of creating forced fumbles, Taki Taki had a forced fumble uh, as well. Uh, Perry on recovered, but you know, it's hard for us to have great takeaways about interior, really the entire defensive line linebacker group until you get a chance to rewatch. But like uh, D'Anthony Bell is probably crashing this debate and, and that's probably all that I have. I don't see any other corners besides Sean Jolly, even up for discussion at this point, but that's, yeah, I mean, that's kind of all I have. Some people like Herb Miller. I I I, I haven't seen it with Herb Miller. Um, Good. I mean, he had that. He's got a, like a, a couple ball production things, but other than that, it's like no, no. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I haven't been particularly thrilled with um, Richard LeCount through the preseason either. And t- today he got caught real bad peeking uh, on that that long touchdown. I, I mean, we, I would need to go back and see the all twenty two, but it looked like he got caught peeking at the second second of a low high, so second level of a low high, so. Uh, you know, I haven't been thrilled with, with the count either. So that does kind of open a door for maybe D'Anthony Bell. Um, and again, you know, if Ronnie Harrison doesn't pan out again this year, I think D'Anthony Bell has kind of proven like maybe in dime packages, he could, he could go on yeah. the field, uh, things like that. So I do, I do like that. I, Sean Jolly, I would be more, I, I liked what I saw from Jolly a lot today, but with them being pretty, and again, Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom haven't played, so like that, that that could be different once those guys actually play. But the amount of time AJ Green has spent in the nickel, like that's too much for me to overlook as like a coincidence or like oh they're yeah. just you know they have him there because Ward and Newsom aren't playing whatever. I, I, so I think you know if they didn't 
have kind of AJ Green. What I think is kind of penciled in is that nickel, then maybe Jolly has a better chance at the roster. But because, uh, you know, I, I saw some of the same things that kind of Troy Hill did last year where he was able to fit runs really well. And I, I saw that from Jolly a little bit tonight. So, um, but I do think he's probably one of those practice squad elevation guys um, who they might protect, you know, in a few weeks and maybe elevate him a game or two. Um, but I think, you know, the, the secondary for the most part is is the area on the roster I have the least amount of concern about. Um, going, but you touched on Greedy a little bit, but I, I'm not 100% certain that Greedy is not a guy that's going to be flipped for a pick still. Like I, yeah, I think if there's guys on the discussion table, he's one of the ones I would put out there. His tape tonight certainly didn't help anything, but like, uh, you know, I, I if you're talking about players that I would put out and dangle who have NFL value, but you really don't want to give them up unless you improve an issue at another position, he's one. AJ Green is one. Even though I like AJ, but he's a guy I'd listen to offers on. Um, probably would listen to offers on. Um, if somebody was like in love with Taki Taki, even though I like him as a Sam, it's just not a huge position for them. Um, I would listen to obviously last year's contract defensive too, so, yeah. yeah, for sure. Defensive tackle group. I'd listen to anybody offense, you know, it's the running back staple. I would listen to those guys. Right. Uh, but, but outside of that, like I, I need the two tight ends cause I can't take from those, but there's a lot of depth offensive linemen. I would listen to like, someone was desperate for a tackle and they needed, they say they wanted Hubbard or uh, they were, you know, or, or somebody in interior, like a Dunn or Hans or something like that. I would listen there, but greedy is one that I would listen to um, as far as if a team's desperate for corner help, he can, he can do some different things. Uh, I think we would all prefer to keep him. But if, again, if it got me somebody of value at some positions that they really need, then yeah, I would flip that in a heartbeat. So um to your greater point i i agree they, they i like that aj's getting slot snaps i like that he has a way to play inside and outside and feel comfortable if they're like hey we don't we want to trade greedy well we'll bump greg back to his normal position and now we have aj who's ready to go or any version of this greedy stinks can't play him he's not playing well like tonight if that if that continues into the regular season it have just been a one-off preseason game he's not mentally ready or not whatever he's not he's not locked in but you know, it's it's always nice to have flexibility of a guy. Hey, we can put Greg back outside and feel comfortable with that and have AJ play the slot and whatever, whatever. So I'm with you. I, I mean, Richard LeCount makes me nervous. He doesn't come up and tackle well. He doesn't break down, make plays. And I, I haven't seen anything from him in the range part of playing safety that makes me think you got to keep him. Doesn't mean they won't. They tend to favor their draft picks, but. I, I just haven't seen something that tells me Richard LeCount got to keep that guy, but I've seen some things from DeAnthony Bell. Like all I want you to do in the preseason is make me notice you. Like that's how you make a roster. You get noticed for doing things that matter. Now, again, I'm, I'm not, the point doesn't miss me that there's things on tape that coaches want to see in certain coverages that you don't see making an impact, but they do make an impact because you know, you don't know how the coaches scheme up things, right? Like you take away that, post that you're supposed to take away and you make a miraculous read front side to back side and you take it away no one's ever going to see that on tv you know like he just, most of the time gets glossed over in cover two you know maybe you're supposed to you know be the roll down safety in cover three and you're supposed to cut across or but you you you, you pinpoint something that's going on behind you maybe a, a double concept that you, you pick up on somebody's mistake and you cover up for it that's the thing that coaches in the coaches room and film are like loving you for and why some guys make the roster and you're like that doesn't make any sense you just don't know everything but you know in the preseason you want you know guys to to make plays that that pop for you and i i think we've kind of covered is there anybody else that that showed up tonight or in the preseason that you kind of want to close with here as somebody who uh who caught your eye yeah uh i think we i think we covered them all 
You know, you mentioned Baldwin, but again, he with the concussion, I don't think he's got much of a shot anymore. No, the tight end room, you know, you mentioned Miller, Miller forced all of it. I wasn't super moved. I think he had a pretty bad, like, drop, well, like maybe not a bad drop, but like, oh, an NFL tight end should probably make this play. Um, yeah, that's about it. Yeah, I think we covered them all. Yeah, we did. That's it. It's just trying to do a mental, mental Rolodex in my head and like, <laughs> no, I think that's it. <laughs> it was a pretty, unf- it was not fun preseason. I mean, it just wasn't. I mean, between all of the controversy off the field, lingering decisions on suspensions and, and um, you know, guys not playing that matter. Like it just wasn't very fun and not that all preseasons are fun, but I, I think some of them are more fun than others. And I didn't have fun with this one. Hopefully the regular season is more fun. So there's a lot of things looming, a lot of roster cuts, a lot of trades, potentially a lot of waiver claims. All of it is looming. The OBR will have you covered this week. We will do our own 53 man special and then we'll cover all of the moves. Cause you know, the 53 man gets announced. Then they announce a guy to IR. Then they get a waiver claim and they cut somebody else. It's never a final thing, but the first decision of 53, we'll cover it with a special show. I think we got an OBR fantasy draft coming up one night of content this week. So that should be a ton of fun. But yeah, we're going to try to have some different things this upcoming week. It's a reminder if you forget, there's a bye week now between the regular season, preseason and regular season. So that's uh, this upcoming week. Uh, and then and then they'll have that Thursday night Rams-Bills kickoff, I believe, is what we'll see. And then September 11th, your Browns are back and they're in Carolina. And preseason baker doing preseason baker things so we'll see if he rolls that into the regular season uh, when that time comes but for now until then i'm sure you're going to get exhausted as we are about unrelated talking points where people rip apart every single thing and we should say i thought jacoby Brissett was fine tonight i didn't think jacoby Brissett was bad some people were trying to say jacoby Brissett was bad i thought he was fine i didn't think he got I any help from people too. around him yeah. yeah he was fine so i should just say this i don't mean to cut you off but there is a mary yeah. kid cabot tweet out there from kevin stefanski postgame that said anthony schwartz is not in jeopardy of getting cut Okay, well, that solves that. So uh, any discussion around it, they're going to try to pump him up and they're going to continue to support their draft picks. I mean, we don't have any other examples, Corey. They're just going to continue to support their draft picks. That might be a trade bait kind of thing, too. It could be. be. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It felt felt to me, though, again, it felt to me like trial by fire tonight. And I'm like, I just, I don't know what the positive signs are. I don't, they're sticking with this guy and, um, fine i i'm not personally a fan of letting anybody go who you take in the first four ish can be fence convinced five rounds of the draft after one season i don't like that all too much you know at least the first Mm -hmm. four rounds but at some point if a guy is really not helping you be in any way shape or form you gotta say when's enough and i'm just gonna be curious to track when that is so you got some breaking news here at the end we covered it all Corey cannon thanks man i appreciate you so much Absolutely, Jake. Anytime. All right. We're wrapping. Thanks to Corey for showing up tonight. It's late. It's just 4-11. Hopefully you guys have a better Sunday than you did a Saturday night watching the Browns. Uh, Like I said, fun stuff coming up at the OBR this week. We'll have our usual Monday Twitch show, and then we'll be back. Probably do some Chalk Talk Tuesday and then do some different things after that for the rest of the week. Like I said, Fantasy Draft, 53-man special, all that stuff. So keep your eye out for that content. Thanks for watching Playback. We had like 80 people uh, in there at any given moment, and that stream will be up all year. So just bop in there and hang out and use the chat jump on stage, chat, have conversation with us. I'll be there all season long. So appreciate you guys very much. Thanks for joining. And we'll close with Go Browns. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. 
And right now you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.